Welcome, my name is Kate Osborne and this program is really intended for couples. Couples that are in a business. Now you might have just one person that's working in a business who's coming home and explaining all the, the hectic days or the stress that they're, they're facing or you might both be contributing within the business. So either way it doesn't matter. But what I found uh, working with a lot of couples over the last eight years as a business coach is that there's a whole lot of areas that never seem to get addressed when you're looking at growing the business that have a massive impact on the business. And some of those areas that we talk about um, when we're working with clients is how aligned you are as a couple. And that might seem irrelevant when you think about a marketing strategy or you know, bringing in new leads or conversion rates or that type of thing. But what I found was that after about two years of working with couples in business, we might increase their bottom line profit of their business and hit all of their goals and targets, but it didn't necessarily guarantee that that person was happier. And so I guess the, the thing that I found for myself was to go away and have a talk with some other coaches and find out whether it was something that I was missing or something that I, I didn't get taught. And what I found was that there was a huge need in the marketplace to address this situation of aligning. Now if we think of aligning like uh, aligning a car, um, when you realise that the wheels aren't aligned in a car, it, it honestly feels as if you're getting pulled. Would you agree? Pulled to one side because one tyre is heading in an off opposite direction. And so let's say there's a few partners within the business and then each of those partners are married then would you agree that sometimes we can end up with six or seven opinion people within a business and if they are not aligned, meaning all of the partners and all of the people that have an opinion in that business, it can sometimes feel as if there's a bit of resistance or someone that's pulling out to the side. And, uh, and so what I did was develop a, a program and really start to tackle this issue of aligning. And so in the first session I really want to talk about just this topic of alignment. I think it's really important um, as well to, to think about the analogy of, of a chiropractor. I mean people going to get their spine realigned because if you have a subluxation you know it blocks the central nervous system from sending all the channels around, around your body. So have a think about your organisational chart as that spine to your business and so if there is a block or something that is you know, stopping that flow of communication, then you can actually end up with a lot of headaches that then later on need to be fixed. And so what I find in the organisational chart is we're right up in the owner role. And as an owner of a business, what I was facing was um, a husband that when I went home to set goals and to plan for the future and work out what all of our profit was going to mean in terms of contribution, um, he wasn't interested in going through that process with me. And I think for myself, like as the entrepreneur and, and the major breadwinner of our family, I would always feel that resistance and sort of, I think it grew over time to become a little bit of resentment that I was willing to do all of the change. And so when I asked him um, just recently as to what was actually going on six, seven years ago, in this process, what was it that was brought up in him that would make him resist talking about our future or setting goals together or being aligned? Um, it was change. 
So I want you to have a think about, like if we're just sitting and you've downloaded this onto a DVD and you've got it on your TV and we're having a cup of tea and we're, and we're just talking, um, you know, direct you to me, you to me, I want you to have a think about for yourself, how are you with change? Because really, aligning means that although you might be doing different behaviour, a little bit of different change, it's actually easier. Because when everybody, you imagine the car again, the analogy of the car, when all tyres are facing forward, then it's easier on the whole mechanism, that whole car just gets to the destination faster. And so what tends to happen is there is a lot more synergy when we are accepting of a little bit of change. And the change that I'd be talking about is shedding. All right, so as opposed to thinking I've got to add more things to my repertoire of things that I need to learn in business, what I want you to think about is aligning as a couple is about getting back to the basics of what attracted you together in the first place. So the biggest first topic in alignment is um, I had to come to an understanding that I wasn't there to change my husband. It wasn't my job to educate him or to equip him in his life because he was whole just on his own. If I in fact spent all of the energy when I was imagining how I could um, perfect him or fix him or help him, if I just turned that back around and spent that time on myself, we would have got a lot faster results, I can assure you. And I think that, you know, it's taken us quite a long time and now we work with a lot of couples in business and uh, we receive, you know, a lot of um, compliments about our relationship and how honest it is. And it's because of the, for me, it was because of the fact that I started to realise that the only person that I was responsible for was me. And as soon as I could bring more joy and more happiness to myself and take my eyes off everybody else who was in my team or everyone else's partners or everyone else's relationships and just start to really focus back on what was you know, lacking from, from myself around joy then that was the area that I needed to align. Okay, so alignment starts with me. All right, so when, when we first begin, what's really important is that you need to be a person that's whole. Okay, so once you're whole, now you might be in business with a couple and you're listening to this to try to understand what's going on with that couple. So I don't know how you've um, come across this information. But the key thing is that um, in this first session, we just really want to understand what this topic is of, you know, why? Why do we align as a couple? Now, I guess the clearest story that comes into my mind is, you know, when I first started being a business coach, I learned this concept from Brad Sugars of above and below the line behavior. And above the line behavior meant that we take ownership over our own lives. So we actually have a little snapshot look of where we are. And it can be on every aspect of our life, our languaging, where we are within our relationship, financially, um, socially, how many friends we have, are they good friends, um, you know, character-wise, are we happy with where we're at? And we have a good look and we take ownership, we're exactly where we are. And there's two parts that keep us above the line always, and the first one is to be accountable. So to understand that the results of where you have got to so far is just the results. 
Okay, it's just almost an indicator of where you are. It certainly doesn't determine your future. So to be accountable to where you are is really just being able to look at a result and accept that that's the result of where you are. Being responsible is then recognising the actions that you take on a daily basis. Because if you look at the net cumulative effect of an action, you're going to get a result. And so if you look at the result you're getting around your health, generally you can have a look at your daily disciplines over the previous year and you can see the result has come from that net cumulative effect of what you've done every single day. So it makes sense if you're living above, above the line and you're taking ownership and you're accountable and you're responsible, well then that's certainly just for ourselves. Does that make sense? So you can only be above the line for yourself. So somebody that is uh, below the line or when you're playing below the line, and let's face it, we all play below the line, would blame others. Okay, it's somebody else's fault. And in a relationship, if we're not aligned, I found that I would tend to blame the circumstances of my relationship to the results that I was getting. Okay, so a blame is very easy to blame the person that's closest to us. Okay, and that can even be a parent, that can be a brother or sister, that can be a husband or wife, a best friend, it can be all sorts of things. But blame means that we're pushing out away from taking ownership. It's, it's not my fault. It's a really victim mentality. Making excuses is the other thing that prevents us from ever owning or accepting where we are. And excuses come in all shapes and sizes. But what we need to pick up in our languaging is when we're making excuses. When someone's trying to help us or move us forward and we hear an excuse come out of our mouth as to why we're not eating well, why we're not exercising, why we're not sleeping well, why we're not doing our reading, whatever it is, um, um, it might be that um, there's some denial there. So you don't even know what you don't know. And I think that's the exciting part of, of when you start deciding that okay, we want our life to be different. We're prepared to look at this whole concept of, of what we might need to shed or what we might need to change because we're willing to accept the fact that what we don't know, we don't know. And that's really the first step in, in moving forward. So I've just learnt this lesson and we're, um, my husband and I are going for a walk and we're walking along, we live in um, Brisbane, sunny Queensland, walking along the riverfront and we lived in a riverfront apartment and we deliberately moved there so we can be around really successful people and start to change our association. So we knew we wanted to be, to be moving forward. And I was telling him about this concept of above and below the line and he was asking lots of questions and he stopped dead in his tracks. And I was turned around and he, he looked right at me and he said, I'm below the line. I've always been below the line. And I've lived continuously below the line for my entire life. And it was a moment in time for our relationship because I was actually just talking to myself. Because I thought I'd lived below the line all of my life also. And what's exciting about moments like that in your relationship is when you can really stop and, and have, a, have a think about the results that you've been getting and the languaging that you've been using. And when somebody's giving a message, you run it through your own filter. But I think that's also the reason why a lot of couples get into a lot of strife. Because they're not listening on behalf of the other person. They're listening with a filter to try to hear a hidden message that is about and now I have to change again. Or what do you mean? Is that for me? Or is that based around me? What are you trying to say? 
And so I think that, you know, the first thing if I were to give any kind of um, advice from having been through that kind of circumstance would be straight away to reassure the person, oh, well, that's normal that you feel that you've been below the line. That's why I'm explaining the story. I've been below the line also. But just decide that as you're listening to the other person changing and growing and learning lots, it isn't an attack, okay? It's not an attack. And uh, there's a fabulous um, CD set series that I, I recommend that you listen to called the Dynamic Living Seminar by Skip Ross. And he talks about a formula to have joy and happiness in your life all of the time, which is how he defines a dynamic life. And to me, as a couple and in business with um, small children, the concept of having joy and happiness in my life all of the time was a pretty far out concept because I sort of was, you know, riding that roller coaster of emotions. And he talks about that we need to start using success principles. And, you know, if you, if you look at yourself, just you as a whole person, um, what are you doing to align yourself to success? Okay, so, you know, who, who are you hanging out with? If you think about just for yourself, you know, the top um, five or six people that you associate with, um, you know, 90% of your leisure time or your time, and you have a look at what their net worth is and what their lifestyle situations are, then that gives you a pretty good indication of where your comfort zone is around who, who you're hanging out with. And, you know, that was, a, that was a really big thing for me as well is, you know, I was wanting a different result, but I wasn't being accountable as to, you know, what I was actually getting. And so I think that, that that's another area. And so the success principles um, are all there. If you read any of the books, Jack Canfield's got a great one, Success Principles, it's called, and there's 64 of them. And, you know, he takes you through a step-by-step -step process of, of aligning to success. And so the first step might just be to do one of those principles a day. You just read one page a day and you stick it up on your fridge and you just focus on that. And 64 days later, you'll be amazed at how much you've learned and you start looking out at the world from this new information that you've got and yes, things start to change. But remember that I'd said my husband was a bit frightened of the change. And so, you know, I just really want to reassure you that, you know, seven years ago when we first embarked on this, there was a lot of fear. Fear for both of, um, both of us. I guess my kind of fear was coming from fear of, of failure, which actually probably flipped later on to fear of great success. Um, and for for... For him, I think it was more just, you know, fear of change, of the, the fact that this was going to cause more effort. Now, we had to um, start to find ways as a couple that we could communicate in a way that was motivating for that change to take place. And uh, I have a program, 100 Weeks to Success, and I really hope that you get a hold of that program. And uh, what we did as a couple was to say, well, if, you, if he could help me it was my goal to be successful, okay? It was my, my goal to follow these success principles all the way through to the letter to achieve the best possible result that I could achieve for our family and, and set us up. And, um, and so I said, well, for 100 weeks, if he could support me and, you know, encourage me, and when I fell down and started crying, if he didn't, you know, give in and give up on my, my goals and dreams, well, then there'd have to be a reward in it for him. And he'd always loved motorbikes. We'd just been on a holiday to Hawaii and we'd been on a motorbike and it really brought back that passion for him. And I said, well, in 100 weeks, if we could achieve the goal that we'd set, 
and support each other in that goal that I'd buy him a motorbike, his dream motorbike, which is a Ducati Super Sport, and it was yellow, and we knew exactly what it was, and, and he said, really? So if I help you to just do the things that you've said that you want to do, then you'll buy me the bike. I was like, absolutely. So when I'm talking about, you know, moving into this, this arena of aligning, how aligned do you think he was when we had that picture up on the fridge and every morning he'd say, you'll be mine, you will be mine, you will be mine. And I flicked his attitude that had been a little bit um, sarcastic or a little bit dry or a little bit negative simply because of the change factor. And I flipped it the other way, but full throttle the other way and gave, you know, really clear reward for helping me to achieve that. And we learnt more about ourselves during that process um, of actually setting a goal um, than any other time in our relationship, I believe. That first 100 weeks was very, very critical because there was so much self-doubt and fear in myself that I needed that partner to be very, very strong for me and believe in me. It was the belief that I was lacking. So that's the first area, success principles. The other part that um, he talks about is you multiply that by your God-given equipment. Okay, so what are you good at? If you think about um, each of you in your partnership, in your couple, what are you naturally good at? And there's loads of different profiles. As a psychologist, I mean, I just love profiling. I absolutely was fascinated as I went through my degree of learning that people are unique people are different and yet some in some aspects we're very similar and so a lot of the early work that Carl Jung was doing was breaking people into four groups whether or not it was on personality or behavioral styles being Myers-Briggs or the DISC profiling system there's loads of different profiles that you can do and we started doing a, a session called Profiles Unleashed and helping couples come together and see that in actual fact they complement each other alright so if you're feeling in your relationship at the moment that you're not complementing each other, then you might not be um, accepting of your own God-given equipment. And so you've chosen to focus on the other person, try to change them or manoeuvre them um, because that's easier. So the God-given equipment is really important because we all have to get into a place where we can just forgive ourselves. That's, that's the easiest way that I'd describe it. Um, in fact, I've been listening to a, a CD seminar that, you know, the only purpose of being in a relationship is actually to learn forgiveness. So imagine that if your only um, purpose in life was just to look after yourself and was just to be the best you that you can be and let everything else just drop away, well then that person that you've chosen you know, to, to join with and to work with is really your companion to help you to forgive yourself. Okay, so sometimes in order to forgive yourself we need to shake it up a little bit. It needs to be in your face, all of your weaknesses, all of your problems, all of your shortfalls. And usually our partner who knows us the best is the best possible person to shake up that foundation for us because we let our guard down when we're at home. It's very easy to put on a, a Superman suit and, and face and go out into the world and pretend, but it's very challenging when you live with someone and they know all of your cracks and all of those challenges in the foundation for you to keep that persona going without actually having a bit of a breakdown. So when we're looking at our God-given equipment, we have to get to a point where we actually just understand ourselves within the success principles. So we match what the success principles are to who we are as a unique person. And that's what I mean we're really working on ourselves here. Now we multiply that to the power of our positive self-image. Now just that whole thought alone, imagine if that 
self-image that you, you have is not positive. Imagine if you generally think of yourself in a negative fashion. And you don't have to be a maths whiz to realise if you multiply anything to the power of minus 10, those success principles work against you. Your God-given equipment works against you. And so when we start to, to see this in terms of couples that are not aligned, I saw couples go into a huge tailspin. And it wasn't just ending in divorce, it was ending in massive amounts of um, mistrust or um, not even close to forgiveness, I mean complete resentment. Um, and so I think that the, the critical thing when we're starting out right from the beginning of understanding, okay, we're, we're a couple, first and foremost, we're an individual. Okay, so as an individual, where's your self-image? Okay, and where do we get our self-image from? We get our self-image usually from a very young age, okay, of what we know ourselves to be true. Okay, so it might have been a parent, might have been a teacher, might have been brothers and sisters, all different types of people that are telling us about ourselves. And those thoughts just play out constantly, chatter, 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 in the back of our minds. And so, you know, Kent and I, who's my husband, we used to sit and talk a lot. And we, we do talk a lot about what our experiences were when we were young, about money, about marriage, about um, security and you know we each have different um, ideas on those topics okay he is a lot more abundant when it comes to money and so therefore he spends it more freely I on the other hand I was I was putting great wads of money into my wallet because that's what it said in the success principles and I wouldn't spend a cent there was no flow to what I was doing so I liked making it and then storing it as opposed to flying I get resentful when it was spent so I had issues around money. Now that came from early childhood. Okay, it wasn't difficult to figure that out. Once you realise where those triggers come from, it's important to then follow those triggers right down to their source and talk about them. Talk about them openly. And um, you know, it was years before we even could talk about money without me crying. And that was just a, a standard thing. And now that I've talked to a lot of women, and coached a lot of relationships, majority of women, 90% of women, refuse to talk about money. They have deep-seated insecurities or un misunderstandings or they just don't want to tackle that, that finance issue. Now, um, I have become one of those 10% of women who love to talk about money. I don't have an issue around the money now. I want to understand money and understand what it brings up or, you know, any psychological stress. I want to wipe that out as, as comes to money. So if we go back to that formula of a dynamic life, which is living with joy and happiness all of the time, well, then you know if you're on track because you would be living with joy and happiness all of the time. And if you're not, then there's still one of those three areas that you need to work on. And, you know, for me, it was really just understanding for myself, not listening on behalf of my partner or not listening on behalf of my mother or my father or my sister or, no, me. What did it mean for me? And there were lots of those areas that I really needed to rank myself, you know, honestly around um, out of 10. So if I said for my success principles, how many were I actually implementing and putting in place out of the 64? of the Jack Canfield success principles. Um, when it came to my God-given equipment, how much of the profiling did I really accept and understand about myself, my uniqueness, 
and be okay with myself. I was the first person to bring myself down. I was the first person to admit defeat or, or failure in a certain area, but I wasn't necessarily owning anything that I was doing that was good. So this might be different for yourself. Um, you know, in terms of the self-image, I think everybody can lift in their self-image because certainly um, and culturally, we're not always taught to be out there loud and proud and screaming how great we are. And so it can be very challenging when, when you first start to try to get a grip on this whole area of your life to move it from say a three to a four or a four to a five or a five to a six. Is it, that seems like a massive mountain to climb. But um, I think when you come into a relationship and you're not whole and you expect another person to fill that void within you, that's when you start to have troubles in your business because you might be one part of a business and you're just expecting this other person to be all things that you're not. Okay, and when we have expectation on others, it puts pressure, even if it's an unconscious pressure. It puts a pressure on that person to be something um, in, in terms of, you know, what you think that they should be. So therefore, they're not enough. And, you know, that can come across disrespectfully. That can come across without love. And lots of different ways that we receive information that um, that is not appropriate. And um, I think that you know, in that first section, um, what I want you to do is just write out that formula and give yourself an honest ranking out of ten for each of those sections, and uh, and then come back and, and join us for the next part. Okay, so you've now got you know a ranking out of ten. So the next step really is uh, to go to the workbook, which which is attached to this, and look at your irritations. Okay, and it's important that when we first start to think about aligning, is that it's okay to be dissatisfied in certain areas in your life, in for yourself and as a couple. Okay, because until they're out, until we know what they are as a couple, it's very challenging to start addressing them. And so um, the irritations inventory is something I encourage that you do in one sitting, which might take about 15 to 20 minutes. Um, you know, I've had hundreds of couples sit down and do this individually. And um, so you write them all out and then you rank them from the top uh, one, two and three. So I suggest you only ever try to tackle three areas at a time. Okay, it's too much to try to fix everything all in, in one fell swoop. So you can always go back and realign every 90 days or, or what have you. But as a couple, if you each just have the top three areas that you're willing to discuss and to say, okay, well, if we're going to change, we need to accept the fact that there's dissatisfaction in this area. So what would be um, you know, your goal, your vision for that area? And what are some first steps that you can take? And that's all that change involves. There's just three simple steps. What am I dissatisfied about? You know, what's the vision? What would I like to see this area of my life look like? And where do I need some help? What are the first steps? Okay, so we'll take health as a really simple example. Um, you know, don't get out and exercise, feeling stressed, overwhelmed, um, not eating. There might be a whole segment of, of health. So the vision um, might be that uh, you're exercising 30 minutes um, a day, uh, fitting into that outfit or pants that you like to, to wear or um, dress or you know suit or whatever it is, jeans and the top just look a bit better, uh, feel more vibrant, waking up, jumping out of bed you know as opposed to feeling really sluggish and tired and grumpy all the time and, uh, and the first steps then might be to go get a gym membership and a personal trainer. 
And you know, is that worth it? Is it worth investing in that area of your life? Well, if you want to have success and you want to move in that direction, what I found was that they were the best investments that um, we gave ourselves. And we set incentives around our businesses to, to up those incentives. So, you know, I got to a point where my incentive was a pamper package. Every six weeks I'd go and have three and a half hours at a beauty therapist. Every six weeks. I had no trouble filling that time slot, I can assure you. And, uh, you know, have a massage and have everything pampered done, pedicures and manicures and, you know, just discovered how high maintenance I could really be. And so once I set myself a goal to, you know, go and explore that whole area because that was something that I'd never done and Kent would always encourage me and say, go shopping, go and pamper yourself. And I didn't feel like I deserved it. I would rather buy him something. Now I've got children, I'd rather buy them something. I always was putting myself last. And so, you know, then that resentment would build up again. And so if you've got a partner that you see that as a pattern, you need to encourage them. And Kent would take me shopping. He would spend, you know, half a day and go around all the shops and encourage me to start thinking about, you know, what would it feel like, you know, when I could just have the income that was just flowing abundantly to be able to go and, and buy the things because I wouldn't even put myself in that environment. So I encourage you to um, just step onto this path and you know in this next week to really consciously notice what you're saying to yourself about yourself. Because remember it's this you know positive self-image and if you're in a relationship remember the number one thing is forgiveness. And so when you do make a mistake, forgive yourself. When you hear your partner make a mistake, forgive them. And if you don't start bringing attention to all the negative stuff, you know, there's a great line in a book we've just read, which is what you give attention to, you give power to. And I just found that if I just ignored all the behavior that I didn't love, and I started praising all the behavior I did love, well then basic psychology says that people will move in that direction where they get praise. And as a couple, we just had that as a rule to say in this next hundred weeks, we're going to encourage each other. When the other one falls down or doesn't feel great, we're going to lift and be able to help them to move forward because we were aligned. And, you know, things just got, um, you know, so much easier when it came to coming home and being able to be myself. And that is a huge asset in a relationship if you're just okay with who you are because therefore, even if you don't achieve your goals, what does it matter? It really doesn't matter because the, the essence of what you've got is, is okay. And, and that's what makes you feel secure and safe in that relationship. So I wish you well in this first week. And uh, next week, we're going to go through you know, what it is to have a bit more freedom within your relationship. And so I look forward to um, sharing that with you. So have a great week.